the Gulf Injustice Podcast, the official podcast of Detained in Dubai with Rada Sterling. Welcome to the Gulf Injustice Podcast. I'm Rada Sterling, and today we're again going to be talking about Qatar. Now, we recently did a podcast on Joseph Salak, an Australian national who'd been detained for six years and, in fact, is still there. We're awaiting the results of a court hearing that happened this week, and hopefully we're going to hear back uh, in the next couple of days. But in the meantime, the case of Lukman Talib and Ismail Talib, both Australian nationals, has come to my attention. Now, they've been detained since uh, July this year for national security reasons. In other words, we have no idea. Now, it's outrageous, really, that any one of our allies in the Middle East would be so often highlighted in our local press for crimes against human rights and of our own nationals. Qatar was forced to respond to outrage at the treatment of female victims on board a flight from Doha to Sydney, where authorities were accused of sexual assault. Uh, This is a grossly, grossly disturbing offensive, concerning set of events. Uh, It is not something I have ever heard of occurring in my life. Uh, In any context, we have made our views very clear to the Qatari authorities on this matter. Then we have elderly Australian national Joe Salag, who has called out Qatar for despicable actions against him, but who remains detained after years of abuse. Now, Qatar is being accused of serious human rights violations, including torture, against Australian professors Lukman and Ismail. Now, in an effort to beat the Saudi-led blockade, Qatar has aggressively invested into lobbying, business enterprise and media influence. The country has attracted a growing number of foreign nationals and many Westerners who previously worked in Dubai are now seeing Doha as a viable alternative. Now, we receive calls from individuals who have previously encountered issues in Dubai that might prevent or deter them from returning there, but they want to check whether Qatar could be a lucrative alternative. But we've got a growing concern for human rights abuses in the country. Now, Qatar was a country that had the opportunity to lead the Middle East in the area of human rights. And in fact, they'd been commended by Human Rights Watch and other organisations for some apparent improvements for migrant workers. And there are provisions in law in relation to bounced checks that allow the courts to consider the circumstances that led to the check bouncing rather than automatically jailing the author of that check. But not enough has been done um, to address the pressing issue of abuses against foreigners. And it's this lack of attention that will permanently stay in Qatar and affect its international standing. Well, it was all well and good to criticise Saudi and the UAE for their human rights abuses, for the criminalisation and persecution of businessmen, the persecution of tourists and investors. But that should have given Qatar enough foresight to ensure they didn't go down the same path. Rather than that, noticing these abuses may have actually even inspired the island nation to increase rogueness and a reckless approach to foreign investors and visitors. Perhaps they thought they saw the UAE getting away with it, and they thought they could too. But this isn't a successful attitude and not one that will propel the country forward in commerce, trade, investment and development, 
and certainly not with public image or tourism. Now, we don't see those essential improvements for migrant workers that were assured to us when granting the FIFA 2022. Instead, we receive calls from desperate Indians, from desperate Filipino workers who have been essentially enslaved, threatened and beaten by their employers. The winner to organise the 2022 FIFA World Cup is Qatar. And as far as Westerners are concerned, there is absolutely no regard for Australians, British, American citizens and Europeans. Qatar has also displayed a lack of inclination to assist our foreign diplomats. Journalists who call uh, Qatar's ambassador to Australia, for example, are ignored as are human rights organisations and senators. Now, Qatar has become accustomed to criticism from its Arab neighbours and it makes it a little bit more resilient. It's used to ignoring or countering any negative PR that comes their way. But ignoring criticism of human rights abuses against Western citizens will almost certainly have consequences. Australians, Europeans and Americans will be apprehensive to visit a backward-sounding, dangerous country who sexually abused innocent women flying through the country. They're going to be apprehensive to invest in a country that's held Australian national Joe Sarlacc for more than six years, Ranald Crook and Jonathan Nash, uh, British nationals who have been facing the same situation as Joe. Uh, Jonathan Nash is still in prison, his family still campaigning for his release. It's a ridiculous situation. Now, who's going to want to risk a business partnership with a Qatari national who can lock them up and abuse them for almost a decade? without a shred of evidence of wrongdoing. Many of these cases against foreign investors are initi initiated by uh, Qatar VIPs and members of the ruling family. Now, if they want to lock someone up, steal their money, their business, or make false claims that millions are owed to them for some made-up reason, well, they can. The judicial system is owned by an authoritarian regime who has complete and utter control over it. And then do we want to have a look at women's rights? Well, women have rights until a man wants to abuse them. The family law courts have been an absolute disaster and women have often had to resort to public social media video pleadings for help. Now, we only have to again refer to the Qantas passengers who were sexually abused to know how the country treats women overall. Now, Princess Latifa, when I was talking with her during her escape from Dubai, did not consider Qatar an option for... Uh, refuge in spite of the blockade. Now she told me, we're all related, I think they'd send me back no matter what, even if they know about my torture and uh, the fact that I've been locked up for several years, beaten and abused. I was 16 at the time and uh, they, they took me, my father's men took me and his orders was uh, beat her until we, you kill her. And I was imprisoned and tortured repeatedly by his men. Now, over the past two years, we've dealt with a massive escalation in abuses from Qatar and perhaps the UAE's actions in its unlawful attack of a US yacht in international waters and the kidnapping of Sheikha Latifa Al Maktoum and a US citizen Hervé Jobet has emboldened Qatar. The Saudi regime's extraterritorial execution of Hashoggi a maritime attack in international waters and the exposure of the UAE's kidnapping of another Dubai princess from British soil is only the tip of the iceberg. 
We have US nationals litigating for death threats and torture cases, as well as a number of -of out-of-court settlements. But what Qatar has seen from its former allies and their impunity from consequences will no doubt have been noticed. It's almost a green light to commit human rights abuses, torture, wrongful imprisonments, rampant theft of investor funds and businesses and completely ignore foreign diplomats. We have no rights in, in uh, Qatar, in Doha, to think that the World Cup is going to, uh, to Qatar and these, um, these people, hate to use those words, these people behave in such a socially unacceptable way. You know, there are, there are no human rights. Um, it's, it's totally acceptable to them because what I said to you before is accurate. We're considered to be infidels. We're insignificant. Now, Qatar has increased its investment into international bodies like Interpol, giving it a reach and power beyond its own borders. And with millions of dollars in Interpol investment, Qatar decided to frivolously issue raid notices against people who should never have been listed on the database in the first place. Now, if you remember, a great example of this is Connor Howard, a Scottish man who was arrested this year in Greece for having carried a herb grinder from Australia through Qatar to Scotland. Now, what an absolutely ridiculous case. Qatar had already let him leave the country, having completely exonerated him of any potential charges against him. And he'd forgotten about the whole matter until he was arrested in Qatar, held in detention and prosecuted through extradition proceedings before he was ultimately allowed to go back to Scotland. Now, this is, you know, a real violation here and a total misuse and abuse of Interpol's databases. Qatar's gone absolutely wild with its issuance of red notices, using them to extort funds from people, waiting for them to be arrested abroad. Now, we've had emergency calls from people arrested everywhere from Spain to the Ukraine. Now, they're told the notice will be removed if they pay a certain amount of money. Now, often these requests are coming from apparently reputable Qatar banks, but often there is no money actually owed to these entities. They're just manipulating their alliance with Interpol to turn the crime organisation into a cash cow. Now, this is a huge problem, and Qatar is one of Interpol's biggest abusers. Another one is the UAE. Yet we're still doing business with them. Interpol's still cooperating with them and they still want to attract visitors for FIFA 2022. And this is after putting someone on Interpol over a herb grinder. Not drugs, over a herb grinder. Purchased legally in Australia. So you see how ridiculous and easy it is for even someone who's in transit through Doha to get into trouble. And this is not even someone who was a visitor or who was planning to stay overnight or planning to do business. This is just someone transiting through Doha's international airport. And now Qatar's arrested two Australian citizens and no doubt under national security laws that allow them to hold them indefinitely without explanation and, most importantly, without accountability. Now, the UAE has done the same with its own nationals. We've seen an Emirati citizen, Ahmed Mansour, jailed, interrogated and tortured over his inclinations towards a more democratic government. 
And we've seen Matthew Hedges, a British national and academic. He was held under national security laws with allegations that he was a British spy. Now, he was eventually released and has spoken publicly extensively about his torture and human rights violations while in UAE captivity. We've had two British tourists who were held for four months because they shared a passion for plane spotting. Our national security laws in the Middle East are dangerous, they're exploitative, and they're plain frightening. Now, any foreign national can be arrested for almost any reason, and almost everyone who is detained complains of human rights violations and torture. Journalists, academics, dissidents, they're at great risk of wrongful detention, and the slightest suspicion will be sufficient to warrant an arrest. Now, the two men who have previously uh, visited Qatar's enemy, Saudi Arabia, this alone could have been enough to cause the arrest. Now, how's Australia going to respond to the two nationals being arrested under the national security laws while citing that they've been tortured and abused? What is the Australian government going to do about that? Now, they've had every opportunity to secure the release of Joe Sarlacc, who's been unfairly detained in the country for six years. But in his case, the evidence fully exonerates him, and this alone should mean a very easy diplomatic solution could be reached. But they've been disgracefully absent. Foreign Minister Maurice Payne hasn't responded to a single call for action, and the ambassador has been reluctant to get involved at all. It seems they're eyeing off the possibilities of increased commercial partnerships without considering that these efforts will continue to be jeopardised by their inaction and their inability to protect citizens from abuses. How will the Australians go when it comes to a national security detention with allegations of abuse and torture? Will they sit on their hands? Australia, the UK and Qatar, they need to realise that if they want their relationship to grow, they need their citizens to be respected. We're not talking about the arrests of hardened criminals here. We're talking about tourists, about expats and investors who have been jailed without cause, without evidence and without due process. It's pretty simple, actually. We've worked with foreign governments to help secure the release of their innocent citizens. And if a government is saying it's not possible or it has to go through the local law courts, we only need to look to Malaysia. Now, their foreign minister turned up for one of our clients, Richard Lau, turned up in person in the UAE. And just a few days later, their citizen was released. And you can't tell me that Malaysia can do it, but Australia can't. I only need to remind Australia of their intervention in the case of Matt Joyce and Marcus Lee in the UAE a few years back, another case that we worked on. And those, those uh, boys, they're home. They're home in Melbourne. And that is thanks to a consorted effort, but also the diplomatic efforts from Australia. Australia is not limp. It's not injured and it's not weak. And they just want you to feel that way, to lighten their load so they can enjoy a happier, business-focused relationship with Qatar at your expense, though. And that's why we call on the Australian Foreign Minister and the Ambassador to build a path forward with Qatar, to pave the way for better relations and to ensure that human rights violations and judicial abuses don't ruin what could be a productive alliance. Now, Qatar continues to commit grave human rights violations against Australians and our government needs to ensure they know we won't tolerate it. 
and in the interim, every effort must be made to warn Australians of the risks of transiting through the country, of visiting the country and of investing in the country. Thank you for listening to the Gulf Injustice podcast. I'm Rada Sterling and you'll be hearing from us soon. Thank you for listening to the Gulf Injustice podcast. 